I want you to do me a favor. Yeah, sure. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? Let it out. I want you to hit me. Trust me. Come on. Come on. Stop trying to hit me and hit me. Hit me, baby, one more time. And now, our feature presentation. Welcome to Hit Me One More Time, the Nostalgia Reflection Podcast, where you look at the things that we loved when we were younger and ask the question, is this good? I'm David Luzader, and with me is the, the man that I would trust to help me rob a national treasure. I meant to say like a federal document, but I'm just going to use the movie title. It's Phil Rude. Phil, hello. Trusting me was a bad move because <laughs> I have an English accent now, which means I will betray you, David. Is that your English accent? I It's somewhere <laughs> in between uh, England, Austria. I don't do accents, David. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to do Sean Bean on the fly here. I, I have to. Well, I have to ask, since you mentioned Sean Bean, is your hair as um, glorious as his? I have most of my notes are about his hair. So uh, uh, it is it is pretty uh, unique hair. Uh, very of the time, I think. Mm-hmm. And maybe at the time I was sporting this hair a little bit. Oh, no, boy. that's probably not true. I've, <laughs> I've been, I've been balding for quite some time. Um, I would, I would love to see, I'm not even, I'm not even convinced that's Sean Bean's real hair. It's so, it's so blonde. It's very blonde, but he was blonde in uh golden eye. Oh, uh, is, is he blonde or is he more Ned Stark? Which is the fake hair? We're going to find out. Tonight we are going to find out on bean talk and our, <laughs> our guest on bean talk this week. Or hit me one more time, whichever one this slips into eventually. It's someone we are very excited to have them here. We had their co-host on of the Socially Plagued pod, and it's now time to bring Mary-Kate to the show. Mary-Kate, welcome. Oh my goodness, thank you. I feel like a queen today. Thanks. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. You're welcome. We're excited to have you. For people who maybe for some reason, didn't listen to the episode May was on. They don't know what Socially Plagued is all about. Give us the rundown. Absolutely. Yes. So on Socially Plagued, we talk a lot about just social commentary, uh, current events. It's kind of slipped into this just, I guess, amalgamation of complaints that my co-host May and I have um, about things going on in the world. And, you know, we've actually been on summer break for a little while, but we're coming back on the 30th of September. So we're getting ready to be back in action for our season two. So, yeah, it's it's fun. If you like to listen to people scream about things that annoy them, it's the podcast for you. And we welcome you with open arms. Well, that's great. I also feel like it's describing so many podcasts, but not, not, but they're, you know, they're, they're complaining about nitpicky things about like, why is this movie bad? And you got you, you two are, are coming at it from like, Hey, let's get real with these issues. And you know, that's something that I appreciate and like, and people should appreciate that as well. When this episode is out, September 30th is just next week. So it's plenty of time to go subscribe, maybe listen to some episodes, get the feel, get excited and check it out. I, I enjoyed you complaining about the Duggar family and, oh, uh, God. and <laughs> all of that madness. You guys, you guys actually have some really uh, great 
episodes in your back catalog. So I recommend checking Socially Plagued as well. And I was uh, filling in for Nick when May was on. Yes. Uh, hit me one more time. So that's right. Uh, pretty cool. I get to uh, I get to hang out with both of you. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Well, and if and Phil, if if you hadn't been available, I would have asked May. So it could have even been oh weird a shorter <laughs> degree of connection from from here. But we're all here, and we're all going to discuss National Treasure. This 2004 action-adventure movie sees the man, the meme, the legend, Nick Cage, embark on a journey to find the lost treasure of the Freemasons hidden somewhere in America with clues found in landmarks, dollar bills, and even the Declaration of Independence. How is he going to get the Declaration of Independence, you ask? Why, he's going to steal it, of course. This is the part of... Of course. I mean, how else would you do it? This is the part of the show where we talk about our own personal histories with the topic. And Mary-Kate, since you brought it here, what is your personal history with National Treasure and why did you decide to bring it to the podcast? Yeah, well, look, you guys, I got to tell you, this movie, this movie's got everything. All right. It's got adventure. It's got romance. Hmm. It's got historically inaccurate references. <laughs> it's It's got two legendary acting icons nick cage and sean bean i mean come on there what's not to love honestly it does indeed have those things but (laughs) when when did you when did you first see the movie what how you know just give us your rundown why is it special to you yes i i saw this movie in the theater when it came out i remember it pretty clearly Uh, i grew up actually as a child very close to DC. So a lot of my like school field trips and uh, places we would take our obscure relatives who came into town and we would all just go to DC. And so when this movie came out, I remember it being kind of a novelty that all the kids in my area would go watch it. And we had it, I think, I want to say in some history classes in school, this was used as like a substitute teacher material. Which makes me question my education slightly, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just like I said, it's got it all. I was really into history when I was younger, too. So even though this is definitely a far cry from a historical reference document, I would say that it's always been very enjoyable to me. And even just watching it today uh, for the first time in a while. It just, wow, it just brought back so many memories, but it also made me realize that it is not necessarily uh, the greatest performance from <laughs> our from our leading cast. So now as a as a history teacher, I got to say, you keep saying, you know, historically and all of this, though, as far as I, I know, I mean, this is just spot on. This is exactly what <laughs> uh, you know, it's amazing what parts of it are right like what parts they like do include and then are just cutting from whole cloth but we're gonna we'll dig into some of that i'm sure (laughs) phil you you a national treasure i'm assuming it's a movie probably got like a it's on your calendar you watch it yearly if i'm uh, guessing uh yeah absolutely we have a we have a theme night every uh every year on the anniversary of its release uh we dress as our favorite um (laughs) You you can either dress as a character from the movie or your favorite founding father, and uh, we gather and we watch the movie and we try to steal 
$100 bills from each other's wallets throughout the course of the evening. It's a really good time. Oh, I'm just loving like the idea of like, oh, we're dressing up as my favorite character from National Treasure. But like, everyone would just be like, wait, who are, who are you supposed to be? Right. It's just like you walk into like a banana republic and you walk out. And you're like, yep, I'm Nicholas Cage from National Treasure today. Yeah, you can tell by my brand new sweater. And um, I'm, I'm John Voight. Come on. It's the jacket. My, my revolutionary my revolutionary war era 3D glasses um, oh, it should give it all away. <laughs> but on a on a real note, Phil, have you ever seen this movie before? Yeah, I saw this movie. Uh, I don't think I saw it in theaters, but uh, it was just like a home video. This is like a, a Saturday afternoon movie. I've seen this movie a couple of times. Um, I, I just I remember this being a thing where like the kids and I would sit down and watch this. And it's like it's it's just a, a completely for me. It was just like, oh, here's a here's an adventure movie I can watch uh, with my kids in 04. Uh, yeah, in 04, I had all three of my kids already, so I wasn't going out much and we weren't, uh, straying outside of much family fare. So, uh, this is a, an entertaining enough movie, I thought, that everybody enjoyed. And then it'll, like, roll around on cable every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those, like, Saturday afternoons where you're laying around and it's just on and you're like, oh, okay, I, I guess I'm watching National Treasure <laughs> again. And, and that's just kind of been how... I, I've never, I don't think, gone out of my way for this movie. It has just sort of rolled into my life every couple of years uh, across a screen somewhere. I mean, I think you just perfectly described every Bruckheimer film. I don't, yeah, kind of. I don't, yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know if anybody consciously seeks out Jerry Bruckheimer's movies. I think they just appear into our lives. They're just issued to you, kind of, <laughs> right. uh, in, in a passive way. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember buying the DVD of National Treasure. But How did this show up in my house? I guess I own it. <laughs> Mine it's is... like um, if you all had had iPods, like when you two yes. just oh, yeah. their album to everybody. Like, we're just assuming you want this. So here it is. Man, that, like, they could have been like, hey, there's a new U2 album and you can download it right now if you want to. Like, we all would have been like, yeah. that's so cool. Instead, they were like, it's on your devices. Yeah. <laughs> I love that once a year this gets brought up and somebody gets insanely angry all over again about how, <laughs> how invasive that U2 album was. I mean, I'm not I don't have I don't have illusions about, you know, how invasive they can be. It's just it, it was such a terrible way to handle it. Oh, for sure. Ugh. I, I mean, a better say... band would have been, you know, better received, I think. But yeah. it just come on, U2? Come on. <laughs> In, right. in, the, in the year that it came out? In the year, know. in the year, right. <laughs> Any time in the last Joshua 15 tree. years? Yeah. Well, and I would say, arguably, uh, National Treasure kind of has the same vibe. Like, nobody asked for this. <laughs> oh, yet we have, cons- many people have consumed it mm-hmm. because it's been a convenient, uh, constant. Mm-hmm. And, but no, no one asked for it's this movie. Yeah. It's just there. Well, you'd be surprised. There's a couple people that at least asked for it so they could get a paycheck. Uh, and, well, <laughs> and people now asking for the third one. Uh, my history is pretty similar to Phil's. I mean, not I don't have kids, but um, I didn't see this when it was in theaters. I probably I think I saw it maybe sometime in high school, probably in college. 
I know I've sat down and watched it in its entirety at least once, and ever since then, I have seen it in bits and pieces. Like, I'll just be flipping through a channel. It's like, oh, National Treasure's on. I'll watch 20 minutes and then move on. That sounds about right. Or, you know, go over to someone's house and they're watching National Treasure and, you know, watch, we watch a little bit before we go do whatever. Like, that's just kind of how I have seen it since then. I think this is the only other time that I have sat down and intentionally consumed the whole thing. Um, not even in one go, because I can't watch movies in one one go anymore for podcasts. It's always a three-day event. But those are our histories with the topic. Phil, can you tell us a little bit about the world's history with uh, with National Treasure? I can. In the late 90s, head of marketing at Disney, Oren Aviv and DreamWorks television exec Charles Seagar had an idea for National Treasure with which John Turtletaub began to develop into a film. The first script was written by Jim Kauf, and the film was supposed to be released in 2000, but the script needed serious work and took nine more writers working on new drafts of the script until 2003 before filming began. Most scenes were filmed on location, except for the Arctic scenes, which were filmed in Utah, and the scene at Independence Hall, which was filmed at an exact replica that Walter Knott built at Knott's Berry Farm. This film released November 19, 2004, to poor reviews from critics, but favorable reviews from audiences, and went on to gross $347.5 million. A sequel, National Treasure Book of Secrets, was released in 2007. That part about and there's an exact replica of Independence Hall at Knott's Berry yes. Farm. <laughs> that feels like a plot point in this movie. <laughs> like somebody could have said that and it would have fit right in. Uh that's it is it is weird because it's like uh this is a Disney film and Knott's Berry Farm is like a competing theme park in, in California, right? Mm -hmm. Like is it is it weird that they filmed at their competitors' uh, uh, theme park, well, or is so that just me? I actually have I actually have some trivia, I guess you could say about this. So initially, cool. the movie wasn't billed under Disney. Like when it was filmed, it was only it was put under the Disney band right? after they finished filming right. and they got the PG rating. So. Oh, wow. So with that being said, I wish they had just leaned into the location opportunity and just made one of the clues at Knott's Berry Farm, <laughs> one of the seven wonders of the United States. But oh, I would have loved to see where like Sean Bean <laughs> is pursuing Nick Cage and it's just like a montage of them taking a bunch of different rides at Knott's Getting Berry Farm. <laughs> 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 like having like a like a slapstick montage of them like missing each other by a few seconds on a ride. I love it. <laughs> and then Snoopy is there. Snoopy's Knott's Berry Farm, right? That's yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> At one point, Snoopy takes his head off, and it's Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> or it's just a series of uh those those pictures they take at the top of the roller coaster, <laughs> and like Sean Bean is like behind him on every ride. <laughs> For all we hey, know. National Treasure 3 is still out there in it's the true. ether, so for all we know, to make this happen. They yeah. did film that, and then like Disney was like, we can't put this in the movie, right? You know that, right? Right. We're, we're Disney. The only other option is to build a replica of Independence Hall immediately. Oh. 
No, Disney would have built a replica of Knott's Berry Farm with the replica <laughs> of Independence Hall within it on Disney ground. Uh, yeah, and then made it a ride. Yeah, two thousand four with a with a hundred million dollar budget. I mean, that's a, actually another thing about it, that's a really big budget for two thousand four. Yeah. yeah, where did the but wh- why? <laughs> where is it? Where where, where is the, the budget go? <laughs> they had to buy all that gold for that last shot in the uh, in the movie. You know, they had to buy the actual treasure to to fill the. No, I I honestly don't know. I mean, it's uh. I guess filming on location is expensive. It's a big yeah. cast. Yeah. I mean, um, but like Nick... I don't think any of these actors are like $50 million actors. No. And this is like, Oh four. This is like the beginning of, I mean, cage, what had an Oscar at this point, or like, it, it, this is like the, kind of the beginning of, of cage. Of meme, meme cage. Yeah. I mean, yes. I, you know, I'm going to steal the declaration of independence is, is peak meme cage. And then, you know, he goes down, does his weird stuff for a while, and then does stuff so weird that we love him again. This man has had a really Honestly, weird career. Look, him. when I think about Nick Cage, like, what a Cinderella story. <laughs> Honestly. I mean, just the guy, he was in w- Wicker Man, and then mm-hmm. now he's... What is that movie that he just was in that was Pig. actually really good? Pig. Pig. Yeah. Yes. And uh, and Mandy, Phil, you just saw Mandy recently. And Mandy, uh, yeah. we just reviewed Mandy on uh, "Wait, You Haven't Seen" with TV's Travis, and that movie is a wild, wild ride. Yeah, that's one of that's, my uh, crazy cage. <laughs> <laughs> one of my well, and I love because he's so subdued until the scene in the bathroom uh, when he has to like, but you know, after his girlfriend's been killed, and he goes goes crazy cage oh yeah i thought you're talking about here when he, i'm like oh. wait when he's getting the fingerprints off the glass that no that no. was the thing that sent you <laughs> that that part though and we'll, we'll talk more about this movie in a second but one of my favorite nick cage stories was i was listening to some some podcast with um i think one of the directors of ghost rider 2 and they were you know they had a scene in the movie where they were like all right nick cage you're gonna like you're gonna go crazy and he and nick cage was like well, how do you want me to do it? I've done it so many times now that like, it, it's not original. You know, like, what do you want me to do? And I just love this idea that like Nick Cage knows, you know, yeah. he's, he's, he's fully self-aware, but he's still doing it. <laughs> he really oh, yeah, leans I, I, into being typecast for sure. He knows what he gets booked for. And, yeah. and it's, it is weird to see a movie of his where he's not doing that, where it's like, like this is a fairly even performance in National Treasure, mm-hmm. and it's almost mm-hmm. odd to see Nick Cage just just being a regular guy. Yeah. It's almost weirder than watching him go off the rails. He's yeah, a- I mean, I do think though uh, on the overall, and I think maybe this, I think National Treasure is an example of this, but Nick Cage, I think, consistently just understands the assignment that he has given. Hmm. Oh, for sure, I think he does. Yeah. This movie, though, uh, his assignment was play a boring Indiana Jones. Yes. <laughs> there. I put this as a, a, a Da Vinci Code light. It's like oh, the yes. the um, the Tom Hanks character. And I never saw that movie. I read the book, but the whole plot of it is just this. Oh, you're a studious like professor kind of guy. But you're not exciting. You're not charismatic. And then it's like, 
okay, we're going to take that for national treasure and just make it more family friendly. So we're going to make it even more boring and less charismatic. It's just, it's just this very like boilerplate character. Yeah. I would say that's kind of true. Like for all of them, none of the characters really stand out. I mean, Riley is a much needed comedic foil, but even yeah. like this time watching it, I was like, he's not as funny as I remember him being. When we get there, I'm hungry. This car smells weird. But like the no, movie. No, but against needs... everything else, he stands out as, oh, yeah. he's hilarious. And it's like, <laughs> right. oh no, everything else is just so turned down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know, John, John Voigt is there. Sean Bean is doing Sean Bean. And I got no no complaints about Sean Bean. But again, it's not like this is not a Sean Bean at his best. And then you just you got Riley making <laughs> some jokes. And Diane Kruger is also here, which I feel like the movie, that's how the movie feels about her sometimes. <laughs> that's true. I, I think this I, I I'll say, even though we're not talking about the sequel, I think um Diane Kruger does have a better opportunity to shine in the second one. Mm. Um, but she definitely is underutilized, I think, in in this original film. And I I also wanna I wanna point out, so the the script needing serious work. I wanna know how many drafts hit the cutting room floor before we got what we got, because watching it back tonight, there were some lines in there that just I felt every ounce of my secondhand embarrassment just oozing from my pores. I it was just there were some really not great lines that what, they had here. I want to know what they are, and I want to know why the first one that comes to mind is we need more heat. Yeah, <laughs> there's like the amount. Of, okay, so this is a family film, and the amount of sexual tension between Nicolas Cage and Dan Kruger, it's particularly in the scene where they are examining the documents, they just like are slightly above a whisper breathlessly talking about needing lemons and heat and i just <laughs> felt like i needed to go take a shower <laughs> you know it's just like why is this in here we don't we need, need this we line need more juice we need more heat also john void is here and it's getting weird it's yeah everything about it is is bizarre and uncomfortable it's an uncomfortable scene oh oh clear and it's supposed to be like their moment where it's like it's that's their that's their moment of connection where they like lock in together but it is just like oh well and i felt like the the scene towards the end of the film where they are descending uh under the grave to get to the treasure and they have what i feel like was supposed to be a very satisfying payoff of their relationship with the kiss it was so aggressive their chemistry doesn't exist at all. Mm -mm. Um, no. And I, I think he led with, come here, and the, grabbed yeah. her, and they just smashed faces. And uh, I've, uh, yeah, I felt like the intention was that was supposed to be a very satisfying, like, they're finally together scene, and I just hated every second of it. So it was like a, yeah, it was like this James Bond kind of move. Yeah. Uh, but per but performed by middle schoolers. It was <laughs> it was just awkward and and uh and just flat. Like it was just a nothing, you know, it, and it got over in like that there's like one of the henchmen's like, 
how come that never happens to me? And it's just, right. oh my God. I, like, I, like, I didn't think you could make this worse, but you just knocked it down another peg. I mean, I, right. I would love it if, if Nick Cage just turned around and, and kissed him in the same <laughs> Kiss way. That, guy. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a more satisfying payoff, to be honest. And don't forget the movie, not the movie, but like their meeting starts when he's like, oh, your accent is it Pennsylvania Dutch? It's like, don't. No, do not have a character come in here and try to pinpoint American accents to regionality of that degree. Like, c- come on. And oh, there was something like when she learns that his name is Gates, she's like, wait a minute, Gates? Like, you know, the crazy yes. Gates? It's like, his name is Gates. Like, it wasn't like his name is my, if it was like Luzader, if his last name was like Luzader, <laughs> and they, and it's like, oh, you have an obscure, crazy last name that I know, because in the circle I'm in, his name might as well have been Johnson. Like, it wasn't right. that, it wasn't like that specific that she would immediately know, like, you're that Gates. Well, well do you guys I, know I, why they named the character Benjamin Gates? Benjamin Franklin Gates? Oh. Yeah. He, apparently it was supposed to be a, a combination of the past and the present Shut coming up. together to, me- to mend history. And Kate, so it, I guess I'm Gates was right supposed now. to be the a reference to Bill Gates, which I feel like is such a stretch. Like oh. that also wasn't necessary. It wasn't necessary. I know, I know you didn't make the decision, but I am mad at you for telling me that. <laughs> You'll took, never look at the, at the character the same, I promise. It took nine writers to, right? to <laughs> stitch that last name together and be like, and then it can mean this. Also, Bill Gates. Oh, my God. That's terrible. Writers were like, we need to cut everything except that name. Leave it in. Yeah. I mean, I would love to know what they cut because the movie is two hours and ten minutes. This yes. movie is so long. It's so long. And you can cut out bare minimum 20 minutes like there is room to move in this film Dude, there's like a 20 minute foot chase scene through philadelphia yes. mm-hmm. and we see like every step that every character takes in yeah. that scene it is it is aggressively long and yeah and it i mean you're watching people shoot at each other and jump off buildings and you're bored by by that time it's it's insanely long there's no point to him getting caught by the FBI. None. Now, like that resolves so fast. He could. He might as well have just have been picked up by Shaw, uh, mm-hmm. Sean Bean's character, or not Shaw. Um, Sean Bean's character. Shaw's another. I have the I have the cast list stuff, and I just saw the name. Uh, Shaw. Ned like, Stark. Yeah, Ned That's, Stark. Uh, I'm just, yeah. Uh, Ian. Ian. I think was his, his character's name. Like you could have just had him get picked up by him and and cut out that whole part there. Like there's so many things in this movie like they go here and they do this and they go here and they do this and they go over here and they do this and and it's just oh it's it's a little exhausting well so the original cut of the movie was four hours yep oh my god i believe it yeah (laughs) i mean they probably kept in all the scenes of them actively traveling to each of these locations and like going oh also okay i think all another thing that eats up so much time is Nicholas Cage and Diane Kruger just go like finishing each other's sentences, deciphering clues. I felt like I really resonated with Riley's character being like, oh my God, is this how you guys feel literally all the time? Like, you guys are insufferable. Yeah. I did I did like that part where he knows the history thing mm-hmm. that that they didn't. Um, Which like uh, his thing also wasn't even 
the thing about what he points out with um daylight the, the daylight savings time the thing is it's going to be different depending upon the season right so like <laughs> the daylight savings time thing doesn't even check out oh it's also i'm not even the history teacher and i'm already mad <laughs> no, I mean, there's just, there's so much wackiness. Like, I, I love when he's on, when Nick Cage is on the roof of Independence Hall, or um, Knott's Berry presents Independence Hall, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and he's, he looks at the brick, and there's a Mason symbol. It's like, somebody, oh, yeah. somebody at some point had to go onto this roof to, like, fix something. Like, somebody would have noticed that before now, I'm pretty sure. You would think, but then and again, he chisels like, out that two hundred year old brick like, like it's super, nothing. super fast too. Like <laughs> with a pocket knife, um, yeah. The whole thing, the whole thing is just, I mean, insanity. And I'm willing to, I, I am willing to like cut a lot of slack to the movie because it is just sort of like, okay, I know what this movie is too. Mm. Uh, you're not the only one, Nick Cage. I know what this movie is, <laughs> but, but like, I, I'll go with it. But it, it, it really does hit me in. Um, you know, I'll go with the daylight savings time and and the bad masonry yeah. and and all of this stuff, but it it really does uh, get unforgivable when we're watching a ten minute scene of Diane Kruger and Nick Cage changing clothes and and shopping at God, uh, Urban, Urban Outfitters. Outfitters. Yeah, and it, I'm just like, there is so much filler in a movie that is already full that it it really became a slog for me after a while. Mm-hmm. And it's something that like it's one of those things that because we're watching it with a bit of a critical eye, it stands out. But if this was just on, you know, a Saturday afternoon and I just like threw it up in the background while I'm doing something else, I don't care. Whatever. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it off at the 45 minute mark and like not come back to it. But it's like, I'm, yeah. yeah, it's just like, whatever. It's fine. I was, I was entertained enough Though the first like 45 minutes, that's like, cause I think like the beginning of this movie, it goes pretty well. You know, you have, um, you you have like the the exciting scene on the the snow where they find the ship and there's there's the whole stealing the declaration of independence but once that happens is really where like it just gets mired in in the muck of the 10,000 other ideas absolutely it, it definitely is one of those movies that suffers from the third act slump i think mm. cuz the pacing yeah. feels fine but yeah, once they've they've acquired that they've stolen the declaration, then it's just like it comes to a screeching halt. Yeah, I I really like heist movies, and I like you know big capers and planning and and all the tropes that go with that. And the Declaration of Independence heist scene is so much fun because you're watching two simultaneous heists going on, mm-hmm. and it's shot really well, it's edited really well, it's paced really well. Uh, it's cut together really well. Everything up to that, you it's a really fun movie that you're willing to just go with it all. But it is as soon as the heist is over, like the the stealing the Declaration of Independence should have been the end goal of this movie somehow, because after that's over, this movie just it just drops straight off a cliff and and nothing ever matches that much fun in this movie again. And I think it, it didn't make me upset. I just got extremely bored once Mm -hmm. that scene was over. It's like John Voight says, there's always another clue. And that's all you'll ever find is another clue. Don't you get it, Ben? 
Yeah. And, and he was right. There was always another clue. Like if, if there had been an actual map or even if there had been that cipher, but then the cipher led you to like the next thing that like in that next thing leads right. you to leads you to the treasure. Like, cool. That's fine. It's just when it is like 17 steps between, okay, right. we have the declaration well, of independence and then getting to the treasure there's going to be another 45, 50 minutes. It's just, the, just you're going to have to get through. And then the payoff's right. going to be so fast that you're even going to wonder if it was worth it. Yeah. Well, I mean, because I feel like we were meant to be really excited at the end when they did eventually, after going through basically like three false rooms, when they finally got to the treasure room right. in this in this corridor. But I definitely think the payoff from getting the getting the Declaration of Independence, doing the swap with the replica, the shootout scene with the food truck nonsense, all of that was that should have been the climax. Mm -hmm. So the fact that it wasn't just doesn't make any sense. The fake room, the fake treasure room made me so mad. (laughs) (laughs) it was i understand you know he has that nice little moment john voight and nick cage obviously father and son uh just look Mm -hmm. at him um they have their nice little moment but they could have had that outside the real treasure room we didn't need a fake room (laughs) like you didn't need one (laughs) more thing knowledge is the real treasure (laughs) the real treasure is the knowledge we got along the way i don't know and Harvey Keitel is in this. What is movie. he doing? Yeah, here? what is he? What is he doing in this movie? <laughs> it's a great question. He's a Mason, I guess. I guess. I mean, there. Oh my God, that Mason ring! I totally forgot. That's supposed to mean something, and it totally doesn't. <laughs> him and uh, him and Diane Kruger, both in Inglorious Bastards, uh, both have oh, nothing yeah. to do in this movie. Um, it's. It, it's it's almost um, because you don't you don't want to think about like uh, I, I'm so tired of hearing about like uh, the 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 same argument over and over about uh, women in film need to be more than damsels in distress. It's like, yeah, yeah, we all know that. And and then you see it really happen in real time when you watch a 15 year old movie and you go, oh, my God, that is all she is in this in this entire movie. Right. She serves absolutely no purpose here at all. She contributes nothing to anything she is only here to end up as nick cage's girlfriend at the end but i mean i i really just rack my brain to figure out why she is even a character in this movie and then that's the the other end of the spectrum is harvey keitel at the end of it like you said david the whole fbi subplot is like what is this what is this even doing here it's, and harvey keitel like yeah comes strolling in like i'm the big guy who's making it happen it's like nope nothing absolutely nothing no. but a mason ring and, and they i mean that you could have had that fbi pressure point which by the way that fbi agent who was like oh we got a tip about this but we didn't follow it up because it didn't seem legitimate no 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 one would ever say that because you would no. be fired on the spot yeah, I, I feel like, I mean, I see the, where the potential could have been, I think, with both Diane Kruger and Harvey Keitel, because I think Diane Kruger, they had her set up, her character was set up to be this very intelligent, successful 
woman who was very knowledgeable about history. I felt like she could have played like almost like a Hermione Granger to Nicolas Cage's Harry Potter. You know, like be like the brains behind the operation. No romance at the end. They're just partners in this whatever this adventure. And then Harvey Keitel just makes like a grand entrance at the very end where they have the scene where he sits down with Nick Cage, gives him his options, you know, gives him the business. And then we move on. And that would have cut out that entire subplot. I feel like we still could have had the FBI scene at the end. where, like, here are your options. Someone's got to go to prison. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and that could have been like a, a neat little like, oh, Harvey Keitel is a cameo. Like, cool. Mm-hmm. You got, you got, right. you know, you got somebody to to give it a little more gravitas, but right. Just the, the whole plot. And I, I don't get why Ian, Sean Bean would work with them. There's like the scene when, so they help Nick Cage get, I'm bouncing all over the place, but I can't, I can't, my brain's just firing random neurons. I'm trying to make sense uh, out of this uh-huh. movie. <laughs> when they like bust out, Nick Cage, they're like, your girlfriend's calling all the shots. And I, I was like, why? Why are they yeah. wh- why are they listening to her? She has zero They have no cards. Zero cards. There's nothing. And like Riley's like, we're tracking their GPS. If they make a turn we don't like, we'll know about it. What are you gonna like? We're gonna turn you turn them into the FBI. Sure, whatever. But what 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 you're you're gonna be in just as much trouble. Yeah, the whole thing is is nonsense. And Mary Kate, what you were saying about like uh, Diane Kruger is supposed to be this, um, this intellectual like they they do set that up kind of at the beginning, but they do it in the the worst way. They're like, Doctor Chase will see you now, and then they have that. Oh, Doctor yeah. Chase is a woman. Ooh. Like they have that moment when they go in, and I I could not believe this movie in two thousand four was still leaning on the. The doctor's a woman. We're totally blown away by that. This like this old fashioned uh, trope. This was crazy to me to see that in there. Not, not yeah, just that a woman. that line was pretty wild. I did not remember that, and I was like, "Why are what?" Like again, another unnecessary line. Yeah, well, not not just a woman, an attractive woman, which is even more surprising. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a conventionally attractive person works at the National Archives. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> do you think harvey keitel's character was left in from like an earlier draft of the script you Probably. know how like when things are are rewritten a, a million times and then there's just like a, a random thread that makes no sense to be in there it just somehow didn't get edited out i could see that mm. that that makes sense to me i mean there's a bunch of stuff i even think like there's some of the stuff that we're complaining about probably in other drafts was a bigger part of it. But then like in the editing, like, well, okay, we'll just write this down. We'll just cut this out. And like, it'll be fine. And I'll still like make sense in the sense that like, I, I, I'm never like, Oh, like did space aliens make them move from one spot to the other? Like it's, it's all cohesive, <laughs> but the logic does, isn't always there. And I think that's from like someone else like, okay, we'll keep that in, but we're going to remove all the context from it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think for for movies like this, I think it's pretty standard to want to suspend reality. They just don't leave a whole lot of room to do that. I feel like, you know, we've been talking about all these scenes out of order, but like the order that they're in doesn't even necessarily Mm -hmm. make sense. Nope. 
Nope. It's it really is a collection of scenes thrown together to make a movie. And I know like yeah. you can argue any movie is that, but so many of them like are so independent or not connected to the others in such like strange ways that it's just it's it's a little bit like vignettes of this adventure. Like you could you mm. could edit this out into a little mini series and like it would still make sense. Like you could have episode breaks and it would feel completely natural. Like a web series. This would almost work as a a, a web mini series with little 10 minute scenes of them traveling place to place. It's where in the world is Carmen San Diego, but like yes. with a treasure map at the end of it or something like that. And the, the family is Benjamin Franklin and Patrick Henry Gates. <laughs> I just, the character names, like, I, mm-hmm. I want to know how many takes it took for him to introduce himself, his full name, with, with a straight face. Straight I just face. can't. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a just ridiculous, painful name. And, his, and the grandpa was John Adams Gates. Uh, yes. Christopher Plummer. The, the grandpa who had a British accent for some reason. Sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, whenever they, whenever they talk about like the Gates family, they're always, you know, talking about Nick Cage, his father, his father's father, and the rest. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. right. <laughs> no idea if anybody else in the family actually ever cared about the treasure. We lost or track was... after Christopher Plummer. But, right. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, so I think, we did yeah, get talk about nothing like huge cameo. Yeah, well, and that's that thing. This is a thing you don't see much anymore, but it really stood out to me. I, there's movies, you know, from like the 80s to early 2000s would open with this scene of the main character d- doing something as a kid that's like going to inform oh, who yeah. he is as an adult. Like the other one that comes to mind is Contact, when like little Jodie Foster, not actual Jodie Foster, but... uh is like, uh, you know, talking with her dad and then like later her dad's gone. But that was really pivotal because they had a strong relationship. It's like, this is the same sort of thing where it's like, he's talking to his grandpa who firmly believes and that's going to inform who he is as an adult. I just feel like we don't see that really uh, in movies these days. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Actually, I'm uh, pretty sure Shang-Chi does that. And I just saw that over the weekend. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, so maybe I'm lying. (laughs) Is there anything else? I mean, there's so much more we could talk about, I'm sure. Is there anything that pops to anybody's mind just as we're kind of getting close on our time here? Um, I'll throw in something that probably I means I looked a little bit too much into this you, movie. You stared too far into the sun. I, I did. <laughs> I, I went too far down the rabbit hole. But uh, And this will uh, lead into where I think this movie lands and that is the the american attitude has shifted drastically from when this movie was made where in this movie the the national treasure the american the great american treasure is basically like this collection of all the great uh treasures of all the lands and they've kind of curated it as this cultural touchstone Mm-hmm. And now it looks like the most American thing of all in that it is wealth stolen from other cultures and hoarded so that it cannot be spent to enrich the lives of the masses. <laughs> and in, in in this weird socio uh, uh, sociological way, there's a weird shift that I didn't want to stare into the sun, but I kind of couldn't 
uh, help but say, I, and I think it's because the Gates family has this very old-fashioned view of what makes America great mm-hmm. um, that has been, I think, very publicly questioned about its relevance in the last few years. And it's put a strange age. I'm, I, I thought that aged the movie more than what kind of cell phone they were using or anything like that. It put this weird... Uh, shadow over the movie as I was watching it. I'm like, this is a really kind of, uh, it feels like it's from a completely different time. Mm. Just the, the, the general attitude of this movie. For sure. I I'm with you on that because especially with Nick Cage at the end being like, let's distribute it to the, it belongs to the world. Let's give it to the world. It's like, yeah, cause these are artifacts that for <laughs> centuries <Right>. were <laughs> stolen and and passed by you know passed down to all these other people and then like stuffed into a tomb and forgotten about like yeah it doesn't belong to you right <laughs> it right. should go back to egypt you're right yeah i'm actually phil i'm so glad you brought that up cuz i had a thought like that too especially when diane kruger found you know the supposedly the scrolls from the library at alexandria I was like hold on that's not american it doesn't belong here. Well, there's um, like uh, uh, Egyptian uh, uh, the sar- sarcophaguses and and all these things. It's like, yeah, none of this is ours, guys. They, like, yeah, they it's, say it starts like the Knights Templar, which is like the Crusades. Which, right. uh, <laughs> spoiler alert, was some um, white guys going to like the lands in the Middle East and stealing a bunch of stuff and killing a lot of people wasn't a particularly bright spot in history. Um, But yeah, that stuff is stolen. There was also, they got so close to acknowledging slavery, but it was 2004 and it's Disney. So we can't. Uh, But when they're like, people made this with hand tools. Yes. Yes. That was the other note I had. (laughs) And and he's like, well, it's the same way they made the pyramids in the great wall of China. How do a bunch of guys with hand tools build all this? Same way they built the pyramids. The Great Wall of China. Yeah. The aliens helped them. Then Riley's like, oh, the aliens helped them, like to undercut that moment. But it's like, you were so close. You, oh my God. You almost no. mentioned slavery. Wait, how'd they do all this? On the deaths of hundreds of slaves. Mm-hmm. The way, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, let's get real dark for a moment. You think they wanted slaves knowing where that stuff was located? Mm-mm. Nope. Wow. Nope. So uh, this Oof. movie, this movie's got a dark edge to it, man. Yeah. Can't, yeah. I mean, I think if this had been made in, uh, uh, you know, today's time, I feel like the Gates family would be the villains easily. <laughs> I would love to see the version where they are. Right. Yeah. I'd like that, to... chapter three. I, we need to make it happen. I'd, li- I'd like to blame it on on a simpler time, but honestly. If you go and watch Indiana Jones movies from the 80s, there is an undercurrent in there where they kind of acknowledge it like, oh, yeah, he's a grave robber. He's he's essentially been run out of like all the, there's a, a bunch of like conversations in Temple of Doom, especially where they they talk about like, yeah, you're not allowed back in that country anymore because mm-hmm. you like desecrated like these cultural sites and and it is just sort of like yeah in if in uh like 84 they could acknowledge that that digging up tombs is is not really great uh i think by 2004 we could stop looking the other way on that too yeah i mean 
Yeah, I think what's what's weird about this is that they do like literally go into someone's tomb, first of all. I mean, they pull out a yeah. dead man and are like, well, guess we're guess we're crawling in here. We're gonna just go see what we find, bust through another person's tomb to come out. Mm-hmm. And I think perhaps when we think about like the dark edge that it could have to it and comparing it to Indiana Jones, I think that's what gave this in in 2004 terms the pg rating because mm-hmm. parents can throw this movie on and there doesn't have to be any deep conversation after the fact and i'm not saying that that's that's the right approach but it does seem like that was kind of the angle you know just focus on the on the adventure and the you know the excitement rather than really getting into what this is truly hinting at um perhaps unintentionally because i i think this is a movie that takes itself way too seriously but so but at the same time it's trying to be a a bruckheimer film which (laughs) only take itself so seriously right oh well i guess it's it it uh, this is this is a fun adventure movie but it's trying to have very serious themes about uh, America and American history, mm-hmm. but it's just completely uh, cherry picking so many things. And then, as I'm, I'm sure you both know much better than I do, uh, it, kind of putting it through a lens where it, it's it's made to line up with the plot more than be like a hundred percent accurate. Mm-hmm. So I do agree that I think I don't think the movie is taking itself crazy serious, but it is trying to shoehorn in some some real almost jingoistic kind of attitudes about america but it's just it's it's through such a dark lens that it's <laughs> it's hard to look at it today and go ah, man i don't know if i can swallow this pill you know i, I yeah. think i think the slavery line is the perfect example of it where it's like we're going to drive towards it but we're going to turn away from it before we have to like fully yeah. acknowledge it. Uh, Cause we don't want to, you know, we don't want to spark this debate really. And I think the whole movie kind of has that vibe of, you know, as Mary Kate, as you point out, like there's parts where it's taking it really seriously and they could be really interesting if they wanted it to be, but they have to make sure that, uh, you know, we can still throw this on for your kids and right. and not have them go like, "Mommy, what is what is that talking about?" Right. Easily digestible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's that time we've we've shared a lot of interesting thoughts, got deeper on this movie than maybe the movie even thought was possible. <laughs> now we have to ask. Is is this a movie that is worth visiting today, or should it just stay in the Hall of Memory? Mary-Kate, you brought it here. What do you think? I mean, I think we've we've kind of said where this falls. I think it's a, it's a background film that can be consumed passively. I don't think you need to sit down with your bucket of popcorn and hang on every... I guess ninth try line that's spoken. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I still even today have fun watching it, but I, I definitely not a cinematic masterpiece. I think if people want to see Nick Cage really shine, this is not the movie to see. Phil, what do you think? 
I'm just gonna rewatch it for the raw sexual tension that's in there. No, I um, I, 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 I've never gone out of my way for this movie, and I don't think I'm going to go out of my way for this movie again. It's it, aside from the the kind of dark subtext that we're looking at it through today, it's a pretty, it's a pretty harmless movie. It's it's nothing i know people who love these movies but i don't know it never clicked with me i'm not looking at it through nostalgia i'm like it's a fine movie i never saw the sequel like i said i've never gone out of my way for it for me it's it's a hall of memory movie if it's on i would sit and you know like you said david watch 20 minutes of it at a friend's house or whatever but uh yeah it's a, it's a pretty uh uh th throw it in the hall of memory for me throw it in the in the the tomb under the church or whatever kind of fake uh, hall of memory room you want to put ahead of that so that we can know that the hall of memory was inside us the whole time. Yeah. I got, I got to make the hall of memory a lot harder to find apparently after watching this. Um, I think, yeah, both of you have gotten on. I think we have examined this movie way more than possibly it should be examined. <laughs> Um, but I mean, I had a super fun time discussing it here today. I think it's, it's a movie that if it's on fine, if it's a, if it's a movie that you have people over and you know, you're going to talk through the whole thing, it's a perfect movie to throw on in that situation. I don't think it's, I don't think it's like hall of memory in the sense of like, never watch it again. But it's also not like, hey, go watch this movie right now. Like that would not ever really be my recommendation to anybody. <laughs> I think um, it's very much of its time. Sean Bean's hair, notwithstanding, but good lord, Sean Bean's hair is <laughs> is of the time. Um, and also, like some of the outfits that they're wearing are are so early two thousands. That whole Urban Outfitter scene. Is, yes. Yeah, oh yeah. Who boy. Um, we, we threw a lot of juice and a lot of heat on this movie tonight. I proud of us for that again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Phil, we'll see, maybe we'll bring you back. Cause I know uh, Mary Kate wants to do the sequel. So we're going to have to do the sequel. Oh man. Maybe I'll drag you back for one more job. <laughs> well, those are our uh, thoughts. Listen, I have to get my Sean Bean hairpiece back from the cleaners. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Listening audience, that is our thoughts on it. We want to hear yours. If you think it's, we're crazy, everybody should watch this movie all the time, let us know. Hit me one more time.com slash contact to find all the ways to reach us or to social media. Hit me one more pod. We would love to hear from you. Mary Kate, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Where can people find you should you wish to be found? Yeah, for sure. So if you would like to uh, check out Socially Plagued, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Socially Plagued. And we're accepting emails at sociallyplaguedpod at gmail.com. And then uh, I personally am everywhere as MK the Butler. So uh, if anybody wants to follow me personally, I would say that socially plagued i'm a lot more fun than i am in my real life but but yeah um thanks again for having me this was really fun i really enjoyed talking about this historically inaccurate film with you all i 
I mean, I, you keep saying those words and I, it just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, <laughs> but we were, you know, super happy to have you and, and can't wait to have you back to talk about Nick Cage yet again. Phil, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, David. Where can people find you and all the great art that you do? Uh, philrude.com and you can see the art I do and you can get links to my podcast, which is back season three. We are just starting back. And because it's season three, we are reviewing trilogies on on this one. We are, uh, as this episode's dropping, I'm going to say we're going to be right in the middle of the planet of the apes prequel trilogy. Oh, uh, we're having a good time with that. So that's the picture show with Austin and Phil Rude, and uh, and you can get that wherever you get podcasts. Uh, check it out for for Caesar. That's the that's yes. his name, right? Caesar. That's it. If people want to find me, it is Davluz D A V L U Z Twitter and Instagram. Find me there. Listening audience, thank you for being here today. We do the show for you. We do the show because of you. Remember. You can't move forward if you're always looking back. We'll see you next time. Hey! Hey!